Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Alan Cumming, is that you? Yes, it's me. How are you, Christopher Sweeney? Um, I'm really good, thanks. How are you? I'm good. I'm absolutely starving. Oh. But uh, I'm, I've got, I, you know that thing when you're really hungry and you, you make up in your head what you're going to have? I can't do that because it tortures me. If only you were allowed to eat on this podcast. I know this is it. If only there wasn't a fatwa on my uh, eating. Uh, but I agree with it. I am all for it. I think it's absolutely right. And I rue the day that I ever munched loudly uh, whilst talking to our uh, you know, lovely guests. Talking of which, what a nice segue. So our guest this week is uh, completely al dente. She is a really amazing person. And, and in the a business we call Show that uh, both Chris and I, uh, Dublin, mm. she is a legend. Um, and in, especially in the kind of the independent film world. Her name is Christine Vachon. And you will know her from Christopher. Give us give us a few of her top. Movies. So she is a producer. She's a she's a gay woman, um, and she produced films like she, she's a le- she's a lesbian. We can see it. She's a lesbian. She produced films like Boys Don't Cry, um, which was yeah. where Hilary Sw- Swank played a trans man. Yes, and won an Oscar for it. And also all of Todd Haynes' uh, films, oh. Poison, that was his first one onwards. And like Carol. Did she produce Far Carol? Heaven. Ka- yeah, she produced Carol. Yeah, yeah. All these great queer uh, movies with Todd Haynes and um, Velvet Goldmine is another of his. Uh, she did uh, Goldfish, that's a big uh, Hedwig film. and the Angry Inch. And uh, Hedwig, yes. Uh, I shot Andy Warhol. I mean, just really, it's, and also in television, she did that version of uh, Mildred Pierce with. Um, Kate Winslet a few mm. years ago. I mean, she's just uh, like uh, loads of things. I've actually, I'm actually working on a project with her. We're trying to sell this really fascinating um, story. It'd be a series. So hope, fingers crossed. If there's anyone listening who'd like to buy a fabulous mini series from my production company, <laughs> <laughs> write to us at hello yeah. at homosapienspodcast.com. We'll do you but, a good price but, as well. I'm because I'm handling the bid. And I'm starting the bidding at 43 quid. But, so do write in. But I'm so excited for listeners to hear her because she's been like a hero of mine. I remember buying, she wrote a book called Killer Films, which is about making independent films, which are, you know, trailblazing and queer and all the things that make it really hard to get off the ground in the film world. But you need these stories. You've got to be able to, people have got to be able to see themselves represented on screen. And she is... 
uh, unmatchable in that sense. She is a, Absolutely. you know, a titan Absolutely. and is the nicest person. And we had such a lovely chat and I feel what's really cool about her. So she's kind of spanned the progression of queer cinema as well, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. And she's just sort of a legend. She's down to, she lives in the East Village, not far from me. And uh, she's just one of these people that has been a sort of stalwart of downtown New York, the New York art scene, especially mm. obviously the film scene, for forever. And I really uh, like her and I'm so glad that you're going to hear her wit and wisdom. And this was a while so, ago. Um, we were all in the same place. Yeah, this is it. Yes, it's like a, almost a year ago, I think, yeah. we did this, this interview. Uh, things have changed a lot since then. So there's obviously no COVID references. And now, and now uh, should we? Uh, oh, we're seeing we're the same things in the same time. Let's see if we can do it at the same time. And, and now, now it's time. Oh, right. We're doing the whole for... sentence. Jesus. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Ready? And now. And now. It's, it's time, time for, for Christine. Christine Vachon. Oh, we won't be doing that again. How did you two first meet then? I think we went to see you in Cabaret. Yeah. We went out with you afterwards. Yeah. yeah. So it's probably then. That's like and then, years ago. There you go. And then we had a, there was a project we had uh, That's together right. and that was, I had to make the call to the director saying, or to the writer, mm-hmm. saying, because he was pissing off the investors. And I remember I was in, I remember at we talk I was in, uh, what, what's that place called? Hawaii, doing a film. And I had to, I was lying in my bed in, the, in my hotel room, just thought, oh God. And so basically <laughs> this guy pissed off the directors, uh, the investors. And they said, we will make this film but he can't direct it. Right. So I had to call him up and say, here's the thing. Either you can have your film made. Right. Isn't that great? <laughs> and you can't direct it. Or you can't. You can't have it made. God, I forgot all about yeah, that. Yeah, wow. it didn't go well. Mary J. Blige says, you've got to get out your own way. <laughs> I always say that to people. She is a trooper. <laughs> she is. Are you good at, are either of you good at um, dishing out bad news? As a producer, right, you have to. You must do it all the time, uh, do you? Yeah, I mean, I guess I just, I, I really just get right to the point. Yeah, you know? love it. So I never hold it back, even if it means ruining an evening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Get out of the way. I just, uh, and I find in a funny way, or it's not that funny, but I realize that so much of what investors, studios, etc., what they want, what they want the producer to do, mm-hmm is to tell the director things. They, they basically are saying, you have to tell him or her or them no, but you can't make it seem like we're saying no. Oh, God. Uh, so it becomes very complicated. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's horrible. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's funny. I've, I've had to fire a couple of assistants this year. And I'm quite good at it. I'm a good firer <laughs> I just, too. I just say, I just, and also I've let, because you've got to, have um, given them warnings and things like that. You know right, I think it's right, very yes. important to just sort of not come out of the blue. But I always, try, I always say, I, I, like, uh, the last one I said, you know, this is just not your forte. This is, <laughs> right. You should do something that you're good at. <laughs> and instead, you should do, play on your strengths and not continue right. to play on your weaknesses. And then slam went the front door. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I left my bag. <laughs> <laughs> That's my bag now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> No, but it's, it's uh, you have to, and also you've, because I remember I, I did it once and I, I, I realised they didn't quite understand that I'd fired them mm. a long time ago. And that was awful. They were, I thought, oh my God, they thought I was just giving them a telling off. Right. <laughs> <laughs> my friend who has to fire people said what he does is he starts the conversation by saying, I need to make, we need to make a change. 
Oh, that's good. Uh, so it's like a really soft in, but then you're committed. Because otherwise right. it's like, how do you... Right. Because unless it's the first thing you say... Yeah. Right. It goes now I just say, I'm trees. firing you. <laughs> I start off there. And really? I just, yeah, I say... I just, As they come into the room? I say, I sit, you know, I sit down. You know, probably I said, we need to talk. <laughs> sit down. I just go, I'm firing you. And here's why. I wanted to ask, I wanted to take you back to the beginning. So did, okay. did you grow up in New York? I actually did. I grew right. up in Manhattan. So right. And there's not many of us. Yeah. Usually when somebody tells you they grow up, they grew up in New York, I go, oh, really? What street? And then they go, well, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Westchester. Very close. Very, <laughs> yeah. very close to New York. But I grew up on 118th Street and Riverside Drive. And your dad was a photographer, is that he right? He was, yeah. What kind of pictures? He did probably what he's most known for is he was a WPA, FSA photographer, who, which was a program started by Roosevelt. My father would, was an old dad. Mm -hmm. He was 20 years older than my mother. So oh, same. Uh, he, um, he was alive. He was an adult during the Depression. Wow. And uh, uh, Roosevelt started this program to document the Depression. Oh. So all those pictures that you see, the famous ones by Walker Evans and Dorothea Lange, Let Us Now Praise Famous Men, Etc. He uh, was in that group. Mm, right. It was probably not, you know, it was obviously not the most famous of them. But then he went from there to work, work for Look Magazine, where right. he did all kinds of, you know, like uh, photographed everybody from Judy Garland to John F. Kennedy to Marilyn Monroe. Wow. You know. And what does FSA mean, stand for? Farm Security Administration. Uh -huh. So. Got it. I have no idea yeah. why it's called that. Would you say it was a creative household or was it... Uh... Yeah, I mean, you know, there was a family before mine. Mm -hmm. So I have older brothers and sisters Got it. from the first wife um, and a younger brother from the second wife. Uh, but my father died when I was 12 oh. or 13 in there somewhere. Mm. And, you know, my mother was pretty young and single and uh, not really provided for. So. I guess in some ways the house became even more creative because we rented out rooms. We had one of those giant mm. rent-controlled Upper West Side apartments. Uh, yeah. So there was always like a young student living mm. in, you know, one or one or two of the spare rooms and which was a lot of fun for me. Probably not so much fun for my mother. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Is it called what do you call it like a something eight? Classic eight or something. Is it? A classic six. Six. This was like, yes, this was three bedrooms and a maid's room and a giant living room and a giant dining room and one bathroom. Right, and I right. think, you know, the building was built in like 1919 and I think they were like, and you get a bathroom. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, mm. It's so funny. I was just, have you ever been to Cape May? Oh, I've driven through it. It's this weird... At the bottom of New Jersey, Victorian, yes. Victorian, yes. Uh, and luckily became a lot. It's all Victorian, and the thing in Victorian times is that they sort of showed their wealth by having a toilet, mm -hmm. right? And oh. so a, a loo, and but they, of course, it was Victorian times, and nobody wanted to talk about that. You could barely show an ankle, right? Mm. But what they did was they actually showed architecturally their loo, like they, they would have a building stuck it's out. It's like why have it if oh. not if everybody exactly. doesn't know that you have exactly. it. Exactly. So there's these weird sort of jutting out things that have been added <laughs> and they're loos. And it's sort of thing we'd never sort of mention it, but like, hello, look what we've got. Oh, and, funny. Then, and they kind of like have them up high and jutting out and things. It's weird sort of sort of, you know, little boxes stuck on things just to show off that you've got a yeah. pooper. 
Nice. <laughs> I don't get it. No, me neither. I don't well, get no, it. Well, no, I kind of get it. Um, and, what, and what was the first movie you made, Christine? The first movie I produced that was feature length was Todd Haynes's movie, Poison. But before that, Todd and I, with a third partner, Barry Ellsworth, had a company that made short films, uh -huh. which I know sounds a little like, well, that's indulgent. <laughs> but remember, this was a different time. Yes. Mm. And uh, we, uh, we had some backing, and we also were able to get grants. It was just a different. But then Todd was making, when we started working together, he was making his infamous film, Superstar of the Karen Carpenter Story. Oh, right. with the little doll. With the with little the dolls. Barbie. Have yeah. you seen it? Yeah. Um, have you seen I it? have not seen it, you know, but I like know a, a lot about I it. I can give you a nice copy if you have a DVD player. I know oh, people don't do. have them right. anymore. But, um, but I can give you a nice one because it was restored oh, wow. uh, by, um, oh, that'd be by, Sun, by, by Sundance and I don't want to credit them in the wrong, I think it was UCLA okay. um, uh, a few years ago. But the reason that was very um, important or interesting and pivotal was because it was all with dolls, right? It was Barbie okay. dolls. I mean, basically it's the story of Karen Carpenter mm. who was the you know, iconic musician who died of anorexia, mm. she was barely 30, uh, and when you first see the Barbie dolls come out, it's like, oh, this is perfect, and there's the sweet saccharine, although once you start to listen to their music, you do start to appreciate her voice. There's mm. some darkness there. Yeah, absolutely. there really is. Um, and you think, oh, this is hilarious, you know, what a great idea to tell her story with Barbie dolls. Mm. By the end of the movie, you cannot believe the performance that Barbie doll has given. <laughs> You're yeah. just like, give her an Oscar, <laughs> you know. Um, and, uh, and when I saw that movie, it was so beautifully crafted, and I thought, like, this is what I want to do. I want to mm. make movies that are this provocative and this original, but are also entertaining, because it is very entertaining. Mm. Um, and I just was like, I'm hitching my wagon to Todd. Did you feel like you were into cinema prior to that, or was it? I did, but I also think, you know, I, because I grew up in Manhattan, mm. I could walk to the cinema, mm. and that's what we did for fun. You know, they remember second run movie houses? I yeah, mean, they barely yeah. exist anymore. I remember that when I first came to America in LA, there yeah. was one. Yeah, for a dollar. I mean, we didn't have that, do we? You know. No, so what was that when? That's like a movie would come out, The Godfather would come out and play, you know, yeah, in all the nice theaters. A couple months later. Oh, okay. You could go see it for a dollar. If you missed it, you think, oh, that's great. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Uh, how difficult was it as a woman to penetrate 
the film world? Yeah. Or did you not find that an issue? In I mean, it. I think, um, you know, it's so hard when you're actually doing it to take a real step back. Mm. The things I would, I mean, one thing I'm very sad about is sometimes people ask me who my mentor was, oh. and they didn't really have one. Um. Because I think the few women who were doing what I did were very, like, uh, there's one seat at the table, mm. uh, off, and lady. why should I give? You know, why should I help you get one that might push me off? Right. Um, so it's not mm. like that now, and I'm mm. very, I am very grateful for that. I think it's, uh, it's, it, it. But you know, there were. Look, I think, like especially now, when all this stuff has come out about Harvey, etc., mm. and I always feel like there's this kind of swing to try and blame the women around him. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, like I mean, there's a lot of, and not just him, like with other other of these, you know, guys. Like they must have known. Charlie Rose, etc., yeah. yes. And, and I feel like it's so hard to explain to somebody that it's so baked into us that powerful, you know, very, very wealthy white men are above the law. It's just baked yeah. into us. Mm. And I think it's almost like you have to re, you have to recalibrate. It's a huge recalibration as well. And it's you know I I I think that that you know for all of us, who with you know I mean I certainly witnessed Harvey's bullying. Often it was directed at me. Mm -hmm. um, but you know I I don't believe I really understood the extent. Oh. Of I, I was really fascinated by all this. You know Ronan Farrow new book and uh, not just the, the horrible things that Harvey and like Matt Lauer and all those things they're accused of but the the sort of spy people they hired to like you know follow them and meeting yes. in kind of a dark corner where there was no internet and I mean real cloak and dagger this is uh, is this Harvey's campaign back at Ronan Farrow or the other uh, way yes, around yes it was when right. Ronan was about to and those girls from the New York Times were about to come out with it. So Ronan Farrow wrote, he was, well it's fascinating actually, he was working at NBC and he tried to get these stories out about, you know, he was investigating Harvey and all those things. NBC were like, mm, no, we don't want to do that. Wow. They pretended that he didn't have enough right. sources and all that, but he did. And then he, so he went to the New Yorker yeah. and that's where his stories about Harvey Weinstein first came out in the New Yorker. Simultaneously, there was two women, of course, whose names I can't remember, they just wrote a book about it. Uh, who are at the New York Times and mm. they so all this came out at the same time but those Ronan and those women were being because of course it was people they were asking questions and people were Harvey's people found out and they were um, investigated by this black cube thing and all all sorts of weird things. Went Harvey on. launched that whole assault. He, right? Yeah, he well in the, in in Ronan's um, I read the articles in the New Yorker that you know they had all these meetings with Black Cube and they had all these like people who were on their staff to be like undercover and it's just crazy yeah. and then they were they were like you know one one um, secret agent whatever you call them befriended Rose McGowan and uh, she told the, you know an elaborate deceit of how she was from a charity in, in, in England and they were from a bank and they wanted to empower women and blah. All undercover these agent yes. people from this black cube employed by Harvey to sort of, wow. um, uh, you know, discredit mm. these people before it all came out. I mean, just that alone, the the, the degree and the organisation. It's like a you know mm. must be many people's many people's full time jobs mm. to 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 not just to protect him but to cover up mm. and to attack 
yep. the people who are trying to and there's that, so there's that as well it's not That's just right. about the law that they have they are empowered and they have a, an infrastructure mm. to keep it all under wraps well, that's terrifying also uh, tell me what you think about this but someone said in london about all these little independent film companies mm-hmm. and it is so hard to make stuff and so you're so understaffed all the time and everyone's working in their each individual microcosm and there's nobody actually stepping out and taking a wider look uh, which means that you you don't have a hr presence you right. know or any of those things where any of these structures because it is just so hard to even exist that yeah. that's why that pervasive stuff was able to happen in a way. And what someone was saying is that in, in London, there should be a body that is film HR, you know, and it's like an independent right. thing. That, so then if things were happening, you could go to someone because, for, you know, you this is your day-to-day life. So you would know far more than I, but um, I just thought that was an interesting concept. It is. I mean, I think also though, I mean, that's I, I, that's true. It, it's very it's an industry that's very ripe for exploitation because there's such a it's so much about who you know. It's so much about relationships. Mm-hmm. So people can dangle those carrots in front mm. of you in all you know, so to speak, mm. in all kinds of terrible ways. But I think we're at an interesting moment because um, things are changing to some degree, mm. at least optically. Mm, you know, yeah. there are, you know, there's uh, uh, there's a little bit more transparency, there's a little bit more, you know, but, but, and there's, you know, there's certainly directors, male directors who say to me, like, oh, it's just, would be so much easier if I was a woman, and it's like, oh well, wow. not really, mm. because I think at the end of the day, what really has to change is the gatekeepers haven't really changed. Like, when I go in and pitch something... I'm usually pitching to that same group of... That's what I wanted to ask you, know, you, like, is it, yeah. And it's, I mean, look, it's, I, I, it is getting better to some degree, mm. but I also, I, that's why I think mentor, mentorship is so important. Yeah, right. Um, and, uh, and, and just in that kind of transparency, in decision-making, et cetera. Because mm. someone uh, was listening to someone talk on a podcast and they were saying this year at the Emmys, they felt like it was the first time, this, this was his words, right. that the first time it didn't feel like there was a groundswell of something beginning, mm-hmm. but it felt like it was actually happening, that there was mm-hmm. a readjustment. Mm-hmm. But I wondered if when you're in your day-to-day life, are you actually seeing there be a difference? I mean, look, we are, we have stayed around as long as we have for almost 30 years mm. because we pivot very well we're small. Um, we don't, you know, we, or as my partner, uh, Pam Koffler, my business partner would say, we're like cockroaches. We just survived the nuclear blast by eating the plaster or whatever. <laughs> and, um, and uh, uh, but I think, I think it's because we just keep, we're like, all right, uh, independent film is, is, you know, going in that direction. Mm. What can we do that, that feels still true to us, mm. but is acknowledging this other, you know, this other kind Trend, of storytelling. Yeah, yeah. It's, so. it's interesting because it's sort of like I was talking to someone about how, in a way, independent film, and that's what's so great that you're making. You've got five films, I, and of, I don't like, get why, given the current climate. It makes no sense. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Because in, sort of like independent film got sort of subsumed by television, mm-hmm. and like a lot of the 
interesting filmmakers went to television and, and I guess in a way you, that was when you made um, Mildred Pierce that was yeah. kind of what you were doing and that's where but it's so pleasing and optimistic to me to hear that you're got the, all, all these great films yeah. with these great people great artists and it's they're not they're still to be viewed in the cinema they are but you know it's a, I mean I, I I think that what we really have to start thinking of too though is what makes something theatrical mm-hmm. like what is yeah, what's the reason because to that it, yeah. you know and, you, and when I speak to groups you know or you know I was just in Oregon at some film festival in Bend um, uh, sometimes you know someone will lament the theatrical is dying and I'm like but when did you last go right mm. you know yeah. and what made you go mm. you know was it the actors was it um, was it not you know fear of missing out fear of hearing about the story I mean right now it's you know it's interesting to me that television hasn't become has become so destinationless mm-hmm. you know what I mean like that notion that we all watch the same oh, yeah. thing the same so we time. can all talk about it mm. together the next day yeah and if you missed it you missed it right mm. secession was maybe a little like that yes you know it's inter- I think I heard the the the, the, the trend for binge Binging and putting things out all in, right. a, lump, in a lump, a dump, um, is is ebbing. And actually, the whole thing of the sort of you know the the the, the feeling of having to wait a week and to savor the savor, yes. yeah, right. the yearning uh, is something that people are thinking is actually more of a positive thing, and people might like it. Yeah, because the 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 thing about the binge is you get a little overwhelmed. Yeah, mm. you know, like I actually I started to binge Russian Doll, and then realized I preferred it giving myself a little time yeah, me too. to think about yeah. it. Hmm. It's I love nice like, to have a break. I love, and I love like picking something up ages later, actually. Mm-hmm. You know? I think that's really nice and it's a good story. Although that's also why, we talked about this before, I, have you ever watched Game of Thrones? Mm-mm. No, neither have I. Me neither. And I tried. It's the first time I've ever been in a room with people, all oh, of whom who haven't like, seen it. Like the underground right now. <laughs> Game of we can go and live on the, on the low line or whatever. I was, at, uh, I was at Marie's Crisis the night of the Game of Thrones finale. Oh. And somebody said to somebody else, which was the gayest night at Marie's Crisis, because it's not really gay anymore. Oh, um, it's not. Well, it's got a lot of bachelorette parties uh, and a lot will of you, like, yeah. Will you do a quick explanation of Marie's Crisis? Because people will want to know. Marie's Crisis is a piano bar, a sing along piano bar in the West Village that I started going to like. 30 years ago. It's Love like it. stepping back in time to the 70s. Right. It feels like it feels right. like you're in a period film. Right, exactly. Um, and it's and it's just got terrible liquor. <laughs> oh, I was like it's a crashing headache when I go there. <laughs> I think should, we should start bringing a flask. <laughs> just, like, you know, keep buying soda water so exactly. that, you know, etc. so that we can exactly. support Pay the duty on your yes. flask. It of, it's got that funny, it's all dark wood and there's a little, uh, sort of a little, you know, um, bar around the piano so people mm. can all the stalwarts and it's just show tunes non-stop yeah. and, and all the stalwarts there and you, and you kind of can you give money to the man and you play you a song and you can everyone oh the whole bar sings along you yeah. sing along and there's always like a row of very serious people right around oh, the piano right who Don't talk to everyone them. else yeah they're you know if you yeah. once um years ago i was there and this is so embarrassing so i you know it was before I did cabaret again, so it's like you know I did cabaret four or five years ago, so it's like ten, right. it was ten years ago. Mm. In, you know, and I'm there, and uh, 
Darren Chris is with me, but I, he loves to sing on. He actually opened up a singing bar in LA yes. called uh, Stamp Tramp Grannies. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it's such fun. I love and, it. And uh, we were there together, and um, and uh, you know they, they they never normally do this, but they said, "Oh, Alan, Alan, and, and Darren, would you would you sing a song together?" Because they, they don't sort of like you know if celebrities come, you just sing along. Yes, right. Yes. Exactly. I like that. It's very egalitarian. Exactly. But for some reason, it must have been a quiet night. They they asked us if we would sing a song, and I was drunk. And I was like, "Well, what could I, what could we sing?" Uh, I don't know anything, and uh, and Darren said, oh, "Remember, I told you that I do. I could have a really good I do this haunting harmony to I don't care much, which is a song that I sang in cabaret, the very dark yeah. in the second act." And I was like, "Oh, great, yeah, that's right." And I mean, he told me about this, but we'd never done it until this point. And so he played the piano and sang the haunting harmonies to I don't care much. I started to sing the song, could not remember the words. <laughs> could not remember a fucking word. And, I'm, and all these queens are kind of mouthing the words at me and whilst clutching their pearls at the same time in absolute horror that I couldn't, Alan Cumming can't remember the words to an Alan Cumming song. And it was just so embarrassing. And they were feeding me the lines and it was just, oh, it was awful. Wow. I felt like I'd let down my tribe, you know. <laughs> yes. it was Have me. you been back since? Uh, yes, but I always keep a low profile. Yeah. Full disguise. Full disguise. So you were there for the Game of Thrones night? I was there the night that Game of Thrones was, was premiering and somebody, you know, one guy said to the other guy, aren't you going to go home for Game of Thrones? And he was like, Fosse Verdon is my Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. like, are you kidding? That's so, yeah. no, I've never seen it. That's the end of part one of our lovely chat with Christine Vachon. Please go to the feed and listen to part two. You won't be disappointed. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a BB with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. Powered by Spirit Studios.